The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. gang welcome to this episode of the dealer playbook podcast i'm sitting down with my pal lisa copeland thank you so much it's been too long i think it's been 10 years literally <laughs> 11 years since we did this the last time you know what i love about oh, this you look good shucks this old thing i'm so excited to see you in fact you were sitting in the bar last night at the hotel we're here at, telling stories about we're me here at glenn lundy's 800 i looked actually i think i saw you pull in you and yeah. your husband pulling and i'm like yeah. Is it? I don't want to be that guy. That's well, like, because I have I had no makeup on and a hat on my head. I try to come in incognito, and all you eight hundred percenters are out there to greet me in the driveway. Yeah, it, it's just it's just how it happens. That's just how it has how it goes um, down sometimes. First of all, I want to say I'm so delighted that I know you because you know years ago, especially when I was starting the podcast, not a lot of people know this. One of the reasons I started the podcast is because I attended a seminar that taught that success breeds success and you need to be around successful people. And I Amen. thought, well, I'm in small town, British Columbia, Canada. That's right. Who the heck here do I know? Like yeah. you're in the logging industry or whatever. And I don't know. But the I podcast was, hey, maybe if I start a podcast, there'll be an incentive for successful people to want to talk to me. It worked. Well, last night you shared, I can't believe Michael asked me to be on his podcast all those years ago in yeah. automotive. And I was thinking... Really would love if she said yes to you know, my podcast. Tell me a little bit about your journey. Obviously, we know your automotive industry experience was. and wisdom. Yeah. yeah. But it's grown so much bigger than that for you. Did you see in the moment the evolution, or as you look back with hindsight, you go, Oh, I see how there were stepping stones in my career? Oh, that's a really big question. I've only had half a cup of coffee, and that's a really big question. <laughs> you know, I just I love to sell stuff. Right. And so when I sold the dealership, I knew I'd close the door to the automotive industry. And I think it was about finding the next big thing for me where I can do the two things I love, sell and build a team. Right. Like you heard me speak in there earlier. Like I am about the people. Like I believe in building teams. I believe in building up people. I believe in supporting people. I think that's really why God put me on this planet because I'm a very good coach. I'm a very good support of people. And so real estate really was an entree to be able to support people at a higher level, right? It's no different than supporting the, the people at my dealership who were selling cars. This is just a bigger sell. Right. You know, the art of the big sell. That was a book that I wrote that never got released, but it was called The Art of the Big Sell, right? What is the big sell? What is the big plan, the big idea? And so <clears throat> real estate really, it really caught, it really grabbed my attention because I got to work with, or I do get to work with, right? you know, not past tense, really amazing. Like I work with three billionaires right now, Yeah, three billionaires. Like when does that ever happen on the planet? <laughs> right. And, but from those people, every single day I grow, I get better. I, you know, it's like iron sharpens iron. And so that's, what's been so great about the real estate industry is it's, it's to me, for me personally, I've been able to my game, yeah. my, my sphere of influence, my personal influence, right. By yeah. running with these people sure. and working with them every day. Your appetite for achievement is something I've always known about you. Like, you're not going to just 
do something halfway. It's never going to be half-baked. You're always going to excel to the highest level. Yep. Has that always been who you are? Like if you think even back yeah. to your childhood, is that? Probably not my childhood, although I used to show horses. So I used to like to win showing horses. Like if I didn't get first place or grand champion, I'd be pissed. <laughs> right. So yes, I didn't play sports. I was not a sports person, but I did, I did ride competitively with horses. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I've got a real estate deal going right now with a former employee of mine. He was my sales manager. And I love the guy. And he's just great. And I've got a piece of his property listed. And I said to him, I said, well, someday I'm going to retire. And he said to me, and it's been so profound. He said, Lisa, you'll never retire because you can't win at the beach. And I was like, his name's Brian. And I said, that's really profound. He's like, no, dead serious. I know you. You need to win. And you can't win sitting on the beach. So you're never going to retire. So take my listing and... <laughs> Anyways, but yeah. Tell me, so one of the things that I've always enjoyed and observed about you, anytime we've gone, gotten on a phone call or anything like that, um, you know, there's, how do I say this so that I don't lose my entire audience right now? Uh, <laughs> there, don't go anywhere. There's like a middle, there's like a group of people who are successful financially, right? who are complete and total dicks. Mm. And then there's the layer above that mm. who are so incredibly successful mm -hmm. in all facets of their life. Yes. Spirituality. They care about their health. They care about others. They serve, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Anytime I've hopped on a phone call with you, there's so many things I want to know about you. And you're always like, wait, Michael, tell me about you. What's happening in your world? What do you have going on? What point did you make the connection? Because I mean, you spoke to the group today about the power of people and the importance of people. What point in your journey did you realize it's not about me, it's about them? Yeah, that's... You really, you act like you do this for a living or something. You act like really deep, thought-provoking questions. So I think when I was young, <laughs> I was like, I started my career selling cars and yeah. I was really competitive, yeah. you know, and I wanted to be at the top of the board. I was never like number one, but I was, tried very hard to stay in the top 10 because I worked at a really big dealership with a lot of salespeople. I think when I figured out the power of association and the power of collaboration, mm. that I can go farther, you and me doing a deal, then I can do it myself. So when I was what I would call as an individual contributor, so that means I would have been on a sales team at a car dealership. I feel like I was an individual contributor when I was in the mortgage business, right? I had some people, but I wasn't there to build their business. I was there to build mine and they were just there. They were just there. Sure. So I think what I learned was in the auto industry that I would not have gone to the heightened levels of success that I did in the auto industry if it wasn't for my incredible team. And so I think that's when I learned in 2011, the power of people. People, people help me reach my heightened level of success. They help me reach my dreams. They help me reach my goals. My goal, I said earlier, was to meet Mark Ioni. And I would not have gotten there if it was just me trying to break the world sales record. It was my people. And, sure. they, and they got behind my dream and my goal. I mean, I, don't, I would say to this day, nobody really cares, any of them, that they met. I think they cared that they met him. I shouldn't right. say that. But mm -hmm. it wasn't their burning desire. Like I said, it was Mark Ioni yeah. and Donald Trump for me. Sure. So, yeah. So with that, though... How do you find the balance, as a leader, mm -hmm. how do you find the balance between demanding much from your team so that they grow, right. but also not leaving a wake of destruction in your path? Because we hear that all the time. Yes, in the car business. Oh, oh my leader was so awful. They destroyed me. They, blah, I hated it there. I'm dealing with one of those right now in my business. <laughs> yeah. A leader that, that streamed from me. Sure. But and how do you know? And he's destructive. Yeah. And how do, you, how do you balance that in your own ecosystem to say, yeah. hey, look, I do demand a lot from you. I do. It is going to feel ruthless at times, but mm -hmm. I'm doing it because I care. I'm doing it because I see potential in you. 
so that they know, right? Yeah, that's, again, you act like you do this professionally. That's a good question. So the way that I think I balance it is that I do the work also. Mm. I'm out selling houses. I'm out fighting the fires. I'm out slaying the dragons just like they are. So when they come to me with what I would consider a weak excuse, why they're not succeeding, why they're not winning. Like, why are, like I'll ask them, why are you not winning? I've got, a, I've got a, somebody who's really near and dear to me on my team. And right now, he's not winning. And he lives in another state. And I told him the other day, I'm like, you need to come to Texas. And I'm going to spend two days with you. Got to get you winning again. Right. right. Because in my mind, if I can win, you can win. So I am doing the work. I am winning. I'm slaying the dragons. It's, it's a 24-7 job. And so in my mind, like, I can expect that out of you. Yeah. I can expect it out of anybody that works with me because I'm doing it too. Where I have a problem is, to your point, the person that sits and just, bah, bah. Sure. And they're just hammering you. And I had that situation in the car business. And just hammer, 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 hammer. It's not enough. It's not enough. But they're not out doing it. They're leaving at five o'clock every day. Right. They're doing this. They're doing that. It's really easy to sit up here and hammer down. And then you don't, you don't have the love or the respect of your people. You don't. They won't right. stay. Right. But when you're in the fire with, I feel like I can, I can hold people to a higher level of accountability. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, yeah. I love the visual that you said about slaying. Like I'm out there slaying the dragon as well. Every day. You know, I think of that kind of old battle scene where the arrows start flying. Mm-hmm. It makes such a difference to know that the leader is out front yeah. and prepared to take that first arrow. It's so, did it in the car business. You know, I was out on the showroom floor. I closed deals. I sold cars. I mean, I was the dealer principal. Yeah. But I was doing it too. And so nobody could ever say to me, well, you don't know what we're going through and we're on a stop sell and we've got this and we've got, I'm like, hell, I know I'm on that floor with you. Yeah. I'm slaying the dragons with you. Right. Right. So that, that's my personal management style. I don't even think I would know how to manage if I was, and maybe that's a weakness because I don't think I could manage if I wasn't doing the deal. That's probably why I would not be good in corporate America. Right. The corporate American managers, they sit behind the desk and then they just, blah, 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 blah. You know, here are the numbers, here are the KPIs, here's this, here's that. Go get it done. Okay. And these people are like, both of my kids work in corporate America. And that, I think they've experienced that over the years. And so I I don't want it ever be said about me that, that if we failed, it wasn't because I was not in there with them. Mm. Right. If we fail, we fail because I failed as the leader. That's deep. Yeah. And, and so powerful. I hope those that are watching or listening are really paying attention. The, the whole idea of the podcast, why we've still been doing it all these years yeah. later, is because we want people to be listening and observing and mapping it to the context of their circumstances. Right. Especially not just in automotive, but the economy and, as a whole. I in mean, every industry, like we're all selling something, Michael. Like selling. you're either selling a product or a service or you're selling yourself. Right. So what is it you're selling? Like we're always selling. And so this new training I've started called Sell to Survive, and I've opened it to every vertical, automotive, retail, mortgage, financial services, real estate, because I believe that you can sell your way out of any problem. Yes. Any problem. Like, you know, whether whether you're a dude trying to meet a girl in a bar, you can sell your way into that deal or you can sell yourself (laughs) out of that deal. Or, you know, you can sell yourself into a job. You can sell yourself into a situation. This is how I look. Well, I know. But you know what? If you got skills, (laughs) if you got skills, you you can sell your way. It's true. Often I find, you know, the analytical type, they get so stuck on the but what about this? And what about that? And how about this? Right. And I find every solution, there's a solution to every problem there predicated is. on how you package that solution back. And remember what I said in there is that we want problems. Like I want people to have problems. I want them to come to me. My house is about to be foreclosed on. I can't pay my taxes. I can't pay my HOA. Problem. So if I can solve that problem, 
Yeah. We're going to transact. Because now you're the solution. I'm the solution. I want to be the solution. Like, so bring me your problems. Bring me your tired. Bring me your weary. What do they say? (laughs) And bring me your problems so I can solve them so we can transact. Do you find that? See, that's a, that's a, powerful paradigm shift because most people are like, I don't want to deal with problems. I know. I wish people would just stop bringing me their problems. I know. And it's like, then you're wondering, you wake up every morning wondering why you're not growing, you're not excelling. Mm-hmm. You did not make yourself the 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 pivot point. You did not make yourself the star with which the planets revolve. million percent. Like you have a business. If you solve a problem, serve a need. You have a business. Like you have a business. If I was still in the car business, you would be my digital guy. Oh, shit. End of story for sure, for sure. (laughs) Because that's not my expertise, right? You would solve a problem for me in a very important space when it comes to marketing and and retail or God and everything. Like you have to know digital. Yeah. So I need to find someone to solve that problem for me. Yeah. I know the problems that I can solve. I can solve the I can solve the people problem. And again, the biggest way I solve it is like suck it up, buttercup. Like I'm doing it too. Yeah. Right. So that's the only way I really know how to manage that. So solve a problem, serve a need. Bring me your problems. We're headed into some interesting times. Yeah. Trump 2024, please. <laughs> I was gonna say you and I both kind of know the solution. And there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, the last, even the last three years, I don't want to even talk about the pandemic because I, right, I just, it's over. I got, yeah. It's over. But it was over before it started. It is, yeah. All sorts Especially of like, being a Canadian. Oh my God. I, you and I talked. That was the first pandemic. Time. Yes. The you, first pandemic was being Canadian. I remember no, you and I talked during the pandemic yeah. and you were kind of locked down in Canada. Remember when you and I were going to. Lots of lockdowns, yeah. lots of working mm-hmm. from my bedroom, thinking I couldn't leave my house. Yeah. We've all. Cray, we've, cray. We get to be that generation that experienced something that previous generations haven't experienced well, for like a hundred. I was going to say, well, since the plague. Since the plague, right? <laughs> yeah. So we get to be that history book generation. There's now all sorts of things unfolding in the news that we're all hearing about. There's a lot of uncertainty, lots of questions, especially from you know our, our automotive industry, as I'm sure there are other industries. Yeah. You said something I want to just maybe end on and get your thoughts on this. You sure. said um, pivot don't panic. Yeah. Panic. Yeah. Pivot. Don't panic. Right. Where, where, don't panic. Pivot. Where do you get to that mindset? How do you help others get to that mindset? Well, to your point in 2020, like we had to make what happened to me in the pandemic is I was literally on stage in Chicago. I was speaking to Atlas Fan Lines, their national international convention of their franchisees and then all of their corporate management. And it was March 17th, Chicago, Illinois. And I was the closing keynote speaker and I was going to stay the night. And then I was going to meet with their CMO about doing some training for their franchisees. And um, the meeting planner meets me backstage. I come on stage. She's like, okay, we need to get you to the hotel. We need to pick up your bags and we need to get you to the airport. We're flying home tonight. And I'm like, God, was I that bad? Like, oh, did I screw up? <laughs> she's like, no. She's like, Chicago is going to go on lockdown in the morning. Oh my and I was like, for what? And she was like, the coronavirus. I'm like, that's really a thing? I'm from Texas. Like we yeah. didn't, we didn't, we didn't buy into it till we had to, right? <laughs> and then and then we got out of that deal as quick as we could too. And so I was like, oh my God. And I'm gonna tell you, that's probably the only time I was kind of scared because I get to Chicago O'Hare and people are in hazmat suits, yeah, right. mask, gloves. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. And then and then I fly in reaction. Oh, complete. Yeah. And so then I fly into Austin, Texas, and and if you've been to ABIA, yep. they've got bands playing in the bars and people were happy. And I'm like, what just happened? It was like the twilight really zone. In a different universe. It's like, what just happened here? Right. And so, and <laughs> this is how bad I'm like, what, what question was I answering? Oh, oh, yeah. Don't panic pivot. So yeah. anyways, so I get home and my agent starts calling me. You're canceled. You're canceled. You're canceled. You're canceled. I had a big speaking lineup for 2020 sure. lined up. And I was like, well, hell, 
okay, I'm canceled. And I thought, what am I going to do? Because I am not sitting in this house like the rest of America yeah. with a mask on, scared. Yeah. I, well, I refuse. And so I kind of got this idea. A good friend of mine came to town and a uh, car friend of mine. And he was at the house and he and I, we start talking. And I'm like, I think I'm going to do real estate. It kind of went down just like that. Like I've done everything. I've done cards. I've done mortgages. I've done insurance. I've done financial services. I've literally, y'all, I had a boutique. Right. I had my yeah. own store. So I've literally done everything on planet earth in sales because that's all I, that's what I'm skilled at except sell real estate. So I literally was like, I'm going to sell real estate. And so I went and got my license. And then I met Tarek El Moussa and a guy by the name of Haas Pratt. They're still my partners today. And I love them both dearly. They're amazing partners. They make me better every day. And um, I just got into real estate because, long answer to a short question, because it was a um, approved business. What am I trying to say? A um, essential business. Yes. So in Texas, if you were selling real estate, you could leave the house. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know me. I wouldn't scare. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go sell houses. Sure. Just, if I could just get out of this house right now, right. go try to find a banana, one yeah. banana at the grocery store because people were standing in line for food. But I was out showing houses and I was getting on airplanes going to Florida. Right. Yeah. So so that that's where my whole don't panic pivot came in. Because again, it's for me, it's the story I could tell people. And it was like, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Like I yeah. had to pivot very quickly. Sure. All of my income got wiped out for 2020, like in a week, all of my booked income. And and I was like, okay, like, okay, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to let this thing overtake me. Yes. I'm going to pivot. Yeah. And so I was on Clubhouse a bunch then. You were too. Yep. And so I would, I would go into these rooms and I would just, and I had a, you know, I would do, in fact, I did Glenn Lundy. Glenn Lundy had me on his show every morning, Breakfast of Champions, I, you know, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, like from eight to nine. And, and that's what I would talk to people about. I'm like, again, it's my story. If I can do it, you can, you do, can it. do it. Figure something out. And I'd tell people, Go, go sell something. Yeah. Figure out what, what do people need right now? Right. Okay, well, they need food. They need water because all this stuff's scarce. So, sure. you know, they need real estate. They need cars. Like, they need whatever. Go sell that, right? It's not going to do us any good to be baked in fear and to panic. Did we all have our moments of like, oh, Where God, is this really going to happen? Yeah, that's right. We all did. Like, I'd be not, I'd be disingenuous well, if I said I didn't. But, well, yeah, I mean. But I just worked through it. Standing in line like a doofus in Costco waiting for my ration of toilet paper. Right. Is when I realized, wait a minute. The world's gone mad. Yeah. If I am full of fear, I can have no faith. That's it. No faith in a higher power, no faith in myself. That's right. And I'm like, that's not, that's not who I am. I love that answer. Well, listen, this has been a joy. You know I love you. I know. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today, investing yep. some time. Where can those watching or listening get in touch with you? I love Instagram. So real underscore Lisa Copeland. My website, meetlisacopeland.com. You know, and most of your listeners, we know each other. So yeah. just reach out. Here's my ask. If you're watching this and you know somebody really fantastic in real estate that you think would be a good fit to work with me and my team, which would be Elena Cardone. Tarek El Moussa from HGTV, Sharon Lecter, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like at a really amazing group of humans I get to <laughs> work with. Just a few. Just a few that I get to drop names for. Legit. Reach out to me because, you know, we ain't scared. You know, we're not, you know, we're just, we're just going to power through whatever's happening right now. And uh, we're going to come out on the other side, better, bigger, and stronger. And I feel like even like my team has even like, we've even bonded through this. Like, we're just like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. But we're going to get Here through we it. Go. That's it. Yeah. So, Lisa, thank thanks you. so much for joining. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, 
please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.